Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. If you're doing it the right way, anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Travis Makes Friends podcast, the show where we dive deep into the art of making meaningful connections and exploring the fascinating journeys of remarkable individuals. My name is Eric Skrzynski. I'm Travis Chappell's producer. And on today's episode, we have another special treat for you. It's time for a midweek mashup episode. We've gathered an incredible trio of guests who bring their unique expertise and insights to the table. They're masterminds behind some of the most successful ventures in the business world. In part one of today's episode, we're joined by none other than Dan Henry, an entrepreneur extraordinaire known for his strategic brilliance in the digital marketing landscape. He's built multiple multi-million dollar businesses and has an uncanny ability to identify hidden opportunities. Next, we have Jason Harris, the CEO of the award-winning creative agency Mechanism and the co-founder of the Creative Alliance. He's a visionary leader and best-selling author who has made a significant impact in the world of advertising and marketing, and his agency has worked close with a couple iconic brands that you may have heard of, like Peloton, Ben & Jerry's, Miller Coors, HBO, and the United Nations, creating provocative campaigns that engage audiences. And finally, we have Travis Chambers, who, before leaving the traditional ad industry to start Chamber Media developed the creative concept, media buying plan, distribution, and viral seeding strategy for one of the most viral ads of all time, Kobe versus Messi, the selfie shootout for Turkish Airlines. The video garnered over 150 million views, 3 million shares, and over 2,000 press features on YouTube, all on a digital media budget that was one-tenth the size of the TV budget, but generated five times the reach and brand lift. Chamber Media was one of the world's first digital agencies to put creative, production, and ad buying all under one roof. With 12,000 square feet of studio space and all the specialists required seated at the same table, they work together to create great creative that also delivers measurable performance. Within seven years, Chamber Media has tripled the revenue of six multi-million dollar brands, managed $100 million in ad spend, and driven a billion dollars in tracked revenue. They've been featured in Adweek. Inc., Forbes, and have worked with hundreds of brands like Fabletics, 1-800-Flowers, Potbelly Sandwich, and Tuft and Needle, and they have 100 employees and over 3,000 live-action, high-produced videos every single month. You're not going to want to miss one second of today's episode of the Travis Makes Friends podcast. This is truly a masterclass in how to create an offer that your audience can't refuse. All right, let's get into today's show with Dan Henry, Jason Harris, and Travis Chambers. I mean, I, I might spend a hundred grand a month on ends now uh, and still make, you know, 700, 800, one, um, one month we spend like 115, we did 1.5 million. That, that was the month that I did. I, and that was cash collected. Um, not, I know a lot of people throw these revenue, revenue numbers out. It was cash yeah. collected. Um, Everybody throws revenue numbers out and forgets to include their expenses and uh, booked revenue stats and churn numbers. Well, so, well it's yeah. not even expenses. It's just, it, you know, Oh, I sold a $30,000 mastermind for a thousand dollars a month. It's, it's like $0 no, up front and it's a balloon payment in 10 years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's not, you didn't make, 
you didn't make that. Um, right. But uh, um, so here's here's what I would say, it, it, and it it really doesn't matter what you do. It, it matters, you know, how you how you evolve. So, for instance, a lot of people have this belief that they should start low ticket and work their way up to high ticket. Well, this is a fundamental misunderstanding. Um, if you start, let's say you wanted to sell your knowledge, right? Well, start out done for you. So let's say you want, let's say you want to charge $5,000, but you say, oh, I can't charge $5,000 for my knowledge because, you know, I'm just, I'm a beginner. I'm, I'm, I'm not that good at it yet. Okay. Well then charge $5,000 to do it for someone so that you can have multiple clients get really, really good at it. That's what I did. And I mean, when I started doing agency work, I was charging four grand a month. And that's where I got really, really good. And then you move to consulting and then, or, or, or a mastermind or, you know, coaching or a mastermind, but you start in the trenches. It does, the price doesn't, you don't have to start. You definitely don't start cheap when you're done for you because you're doing it for them. You can demand, like if, if I was going to build a funnel for somebody, I'd have to charge like $2 million to make it worth my time. You know? So like, I don't do that now because nobody's going to pay $2 million for me to build them a funnel. And if you do, please email me. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but, but so, so <laughs> the natural business choice is to sell the education on it because for my time, it, it's sort of like if you were to say, okay, I want to pay Tiger Woods for a one-on-one golf lesson. He would probably, to make it worth him taking time out of his day to do that, he'd probably have to charge you like 500 grand or a million bucks and, and maybe more because the guy goes and plays a round of golf and makes like $10 million. You know, I mean, he, he does a two-hour commercial and he makes like $15 million. What He doesn't need to sell one-on-one -on -one private lessons, right? So if he was going to create an information product, he probably wouldn't do it as a one-on-one. -on -one. He would record something for an afternoon and sell access to it. Like we see on like masterclass.com with all these celebrities that do it because it just wouldn't make sense. So for me, I would have to charge you like a million bucks to build your funnel for you and, and it's for it to make sense for my time. So, and I'm not going to, I, I doubt anybody's going to pay that. So instead it's okay. You pay why, for instance, currently, um, to get in my mastermind where, you know, you meet in a group with me in person and I consult you regularly, uh, is 55,000 per year. So that's way less than a million dollars, but it's, it's consulting. It's educating. It's not done for you. So you can start out still selling high ticket with the same process, the same exact process and sequence that we use to sell high ticket, anything is the same. doesn't matter if it's a service, doesn't matter if you're an accountant, doesn't matter if it's um, an event or a software, for instance. Let's say you have a software. Uh, one of the most brilliant software strategies I've seen is to, instead of giving somebody a free trial or an order page, is you simply have them book a call and you sell them an annual plan. And that's what a, a buddy of mine, Alex Becker, does with his software, Hyros. And He's the only person I've seen been able to profitably scale a software business like that. Whereas most uh, SaaS companies are super negative for years until they either exit or build up or they, or they have to take VC capital. It, it, again, you know, I, it's, unless you sell fidget spinners, I find it hard to find a, an industry where you can't sell high ticket. I mean, look at per, 
Look at personal training gyms. You got gyms opening up all over the country that are private. You go in, you get a membership, and it's like $1,500 a month, and you go to that gym for personal training. And we, it's the same concept. If you, if you are a specialist and you provide a red carpet experience, you can charge more and you will attract high ticket buyers. And that's the thing in the market, there are low ticket buyers and there are high ticket buyers. And what that means is there are people who as a first purchase will always buy low ticket. And there are people who as a first purchase will always buy ticket. Most gurus funnel people, books, marketing, you know, people, they, they teach you how to speak to low ticket. Hardly anybody teaches you how to speak to the high ticket market. And the high ticket market is vastly untapped because nobody, forgive my, my lack of a better term here, but nobody has the balls to speak to the high ticket market. And when you educate yourself, and that's what we do, we educate people, it's actually easier to speak to the high ticket market than the low ticket because the low ticket market has a low ticket mindset. They, they, they don't want to invest a lot in themselves, so they take a lot of convincing, whereas people who do want to invest in themselves take less convincing because they're already of that high-ticket mindset. How many times have you seen somebody go into a pawn shop and argue for hours over buying a watch, but you see somebody go into a Rolex or they don't argue. They pick out the Rolex that they want, and they buy it, and that's it, and so – that is that is the perspective. So if you want to start out done for you, charging high ticket, you can always start removing yourself. The more clout you get, the more authority you get. And that's exactly what I did. I got so much better and better every year at my craft that I could remove myself more and more. Plus, I got uh, much better at teaching. So I didn't need to talk to you one-on-one to get you amazing results because I, I've, I've heard every possible question that one could have and it and I refine Every six months to a year, I refine my my our educational program to cover everything. So that, you know, my goal is for you not to have questions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. By covering every possible question you could have in our core training. So I hope I hope that uh sheds some light. Do you think it's just like ego and selfishness that prevents people from being collaborative, or do you think that they legitimately don't think that it works? Um, I think it's very hard for some people to share. And I think collaboration is all about sharing. That's why we started our company. A lot of advertising firms will have, you know, two or three names on the door, like a, like a, a, a law, law firm. And we consciously wanted it to be one name, you know, mechanism. And the people behind the firm we're sort of less important. And whenever we're talking about making decisions, we're always thinking about the best interest of the company and not the individuals. And I think the people that are still living in the you know, competitive mindset, I think they're, um, you know, they might have a lot of short-term success, but in the long run, uh, they're not going to have a lot of friends left in the end. And mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I, think it's, I think it comes down to, can you share credit can you share the stage? Um, do you do you want to sh- do you want to share? And if you if you can't do that, um, there's a, there's you, it's not that you can't be successful, but it's that you can't be successful long term. You can't ride that success unless you're a billionaire or born rich or you know right. inherited a lot of money. Then you can do whatever you want. Um, but I strongly believe that collaboration is 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 you know the of paramount paramount importance. 
So, so that leads me to talk a little bit about your book, The Soulful Art of Persuasion. Um, I have a copy in front of me right now, and I, I want to read a little excerpt from that um, to touch on what we were, ex- were exactly just talking about, long-term success and relationships and things. And, and when I read this, it, was, it hit home really close for me just because this is what my entire show is about, is long-term relationship building and how it factors into your success. And uh, so this is what it says, demonstrate that you care about things other than just making money or getting what you want as quickly as possible. Don't sell anything you wouldn't buy yourself, whether it's a product or a service or an idea. Don't be afraid to say no, even if it costs you something in the short term. Care about your relationships and do your best to see that none of them ever drops to zero. And show that you're genuinely committed to whatever you're advocating by putting your own skin in the game. Let go of short-term transactional thinking and start playing the long game. So you already mentioned the long game, something we've already been talking about in terms of collaboration versus competition. What are some other key aspects of the long game that people playing the short game should be aware of? I think um, the, the, a couple of attributes of playing the long game. Um, wh- one of them is when whenever I hear no, I always, I always think of, um, no for now. Like that just pops in my head. Yeah. And if you're, if you're pitching a client or an investor or whatever it might be, whatever field you're in, you're going to get a lot of doors slammed in your face. You're going to get a lot of no's, but you're also going to get a lot of opportunity to build relationships. And when you, when we, when I hear a no, I always like to, uh, talk, keep, keep a relationship with that person and find out, you know, what we could have done better, what we could have improved on, but then just always keep that person top of mind, reach out to them every six months. Uh, make sure you stay on the radar. I mean, we've won a lot of clients that we've lost because we've kept the relationship. Mm -hmm. And when another agency or another company screws up and we've had that relationship and they liked us and we came in second or third, they're going to, we're going to be their first call to get them out of a jam. And yeah. so I always, you know, that's, that's long, that's long game thinking, not, you know, I can't believe this. I can't believe this jerk didn't pick us. We had the best presentation, like, you know, screw right. that. That's yeah. really, that's short-term transactional thinking. And it comes from this like fundamental, I feel like a fundamental disbelief in your own product or service. Like all that tells me is that they just don't trust you yet. Right. So all you have to right. do is continue to prove that you're a trustworthy partner. And I've had that happen on multiple occasions with my show where I'll reach out to somebody and they say, no, they like, they're not going to come on my show. There's it's too busy. They're, they're too busy. Or, or my show at the, you know, at the time wasn't big enough for them to say yes. And instead of getting super upset about them not taking their time to come on my no name show at the time, I asked if there's anybody I can introduce them to. And I made like key introductions to get them on other shows that were way more prominent and bigger than mine of people that I, you know, had relationships with. And, um, and then through that, you know, five, six months later, was able to get them back on my show because that's, that's an uncommon action, right? Like they're not used to being, to telling somebody no, and then getting value from them anyway. It's like, wow, you, you, you didn't just care about you getting value from me. You actually cared about getting, like giving value to me. And, and uh, so, so in a couple of months, when you reach back out again, yeah, I'll probably end up saying yes, because you helped me out when you didn't have to. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with 
Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. I mean, I think you're hitting on on two amazing principles. Uh, I mean, I guess you inherently sort of have that. Uh, a lot of people, So a lot of the lessons in the book I had to learn like their habits. I had to learn. I'm mm. not a, I'm not a naturally generous person. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a naturally, I'm a naturally kind person. Yeah. Like I approach everyone equal equally, but it's not, I'm not naturally um, giving stuff away at every turn. Yeah. And what you just hit on is a key component, which is generosity. And, and that is really about giving something without ever expecting anything in return. And when mm. you do that, you end up getting things back and with compound interest and you don't know how you don't know exactly when, but if you're giving away things for free, like connections, advice, your time, you know, can even be a little gift that you're thinking about the person. Mm-hmm. Those, those things add up in the long run to, to pay off. But if you're, if you're doing it with the goal of getting something back, if that, you know, that's, that's the wrong way to think. You have to be thinking right. about being, habitually generous and you know like it worked for your show and you didn't know how or when but all of a sudden they they gave you enough they might not have done your show but they gave you another great guest and recommended someone because you you know you you gave them uh something you were generous with them generous in spirit and the other the other thing that you had mentioned um in that in the part that you read is this idea of never let relationships drop to zero and that's something that i've had to really work on and and when I say habits in the book, if you do them enough over time and you're conscious about them, they become second nature and they, they become habitual and never let relationships drop to zero is, is, I mean, it goes in your personal life. It's for personal growth and sustained business success where you're always thinking about um, who you can reach out to. And when you reach out to them, it can be uh, you know, you read an article and you're like, who, who, who would be interested in this article? 
right. in this industry that I can send send it to, or it can be any you know anything that reminds you of that person and keeping those relationships without hitting people up to ask for something. That's really critical for success. Totally. Yeah. It's couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, you guys have been fortunate to work with a lot of different, just really well-known brands like Fiverr and Papa Murphy's and, um, Miller Coors and, um, um, you know, Peloton. Yeah. Like Peloton, another big one, Pepsi, like just really big brands, Dove and all these other ones. Um, has there been, has there been a particular, maybe not just relationship, but particular piece of work or ad that you guys have worked on that you were just particularly proud of? Um, we did, uh, I'd say there's, there's two that really stick out. We did a big brand campaign for HBO that was called what connects us. And it involved, um, basically the cast of every show from, from game of Thrones. Um, uh, you know, every show you can think of, uh, Veep, you name it. Mm-hmm. And we had, uh, all the famous actors do that famous HBO sound of, you know, that. Sh- oh, yeah. And, and by doing that, um, we were able to just splice together gr- a great brand piece, but then for each community online, we were able to really highlight, uh, the characters that spoke to them. And the reason why I thought that was just creative is we weren't saying anything. We weren't saying HBO has the best content and you can't find it on Netflix or, or Amazon. We were saying that HBO uh, is premium entertainment, but we're just going to remind you of that sound. When you hear that sound, you know you're about to watch something great. Mm. And so we just did it in a way where you got the message, but we weren't listing, you know, listing features and benefits. We right. did it in a way where you, you got it instantly in your subconscious. And so that work I was really proud of. Yeah, where you're and like then we linking, did, um, linking a soundbite to an emotion. That's right, exactly. And you're, you're showing, not telling. Right. And then um, we recently did a piece for uh, MedMen, which is the, you know, yeah, the cannabis. they call it the, yeah, the cannabis company, they call it the Apple apple weed it's they're going to be the you know leading retail store for cannabis Mm -hmm. and we created a a film called the new normal which really shows the history and progression of of cannabis in america and you know Mm -hmm. the fact that george washington you know grew it and sold it and then it became uh you know uh, criminalized and then we were throwing people we were incarcerating folks for you know having a little bit of cannabis to having it medicinally available to, you know, now it's going to be eventually uh, legal everywhere, but there's health and wellness benefits, um, you know, obviously depending on how you take it. And um, we, we call that the new normal. And it was just a very, I think, clever way of showing the history with MedMen being sort of the, the pioneer of the new normal. It used to be normal. It wasn't for a long time. And the new normal is, is where we are today. And so we're really proud of that work. So, so tell me then what would be like, if somebody's listening to this right now and they're like, okay, I'm running a bunch of ads right now. We're spending you know, a bunch of money on social ads every single month. 
what would I be able to do? Like, what are some questions I should ask myself to be able to audit what I have right now and change it up immediately? Okay. So we've got a formula. Um, we call it the seven foundational ads. And two years ago, we started noticing patterns with ads. Obviously, the spokesperson Dollar Shave Club anchor videos we had been doing for a long time. We had those dialed. But, you know, that's, those can only really be one-fifth or one-tenth of your content. You've got to have all the retargeting videos, all the, like, lower cost, shorter retargeting videos that you're refreshing all the time. And so we went and we analyzed the $80 million that we had spent over the last six years, uh, over 30,000 different creative assets. And we hired some machine learning engineers who went and codified everything. And what we found is that there were a hundred ad types that were most likely to get performance. And so we went through one by one and we named all of those ads and we started thinking about in biology, you have genus, species, you know what I mean? You have the Latin name for the family of dogs. Then you have different types of canines under that. And then it goes one further. And we're like, well, and it's called a taxonomy. We're like, well, maybe there's an ad taxonomy um, for which ads work. And sure enough, we found seven categories of ads that generally get the most performance. And this is the checklist that I recommend everyone go through and look, go through, look, look through your ad account and see if you have all of these category categories covered. So one is spokesperson video. Obviously that's a, you know, minute plus long has some production value, very fast paced. It's just a salesperson doing the pitch. Two is a product demo, which is obvious. I think everyone has a product demo, but there's dozens of different ways to, to do product demos. Um, Three is social proof or evidence ads. That's um, press features, you know, influencer content, UGC, anything like that. Four is closer ads. So closer ads are add to cart reminders, um, a post-purchase ad from the founder saying, thank you for joining the family. Thank you for purchasing discount codes, urgency plays. Um, you'll, we'll have a spokesperson we'll write down the five most common objections and have overcoming objection ads in retargeting. These are like your low, low funnel stuff. Uh, five is case study. Case study is just really any empirical evidence, whether you have clinical trials, whether you have um, a before and after video, a side-by-side -side comparison, anything you can do to empirically support what your claims are in a way that feels kind of scientific, feels kind of quantifiable. That's a case study ad. Six is lifestyle ads. Um, lifestyle ads are just the aspirational Nike, showing people walking around, using it, you know, your hype reel, whatever. Just setting the mood and the emotion around what your product is. And then seven is unboxing. And unboxing is just showing it, showing up at the door, on the, on the table, doing a stop motion animation of what it's like when the product comes out of the box, using the product. So these seven ads, we call the seven foundational ads. These are, and I'll just review them again. It's spokesperson ad, product demo, social proof or evidence ad, closer ads, case study, lifestyle, and unboxing. We've pretty much found that if an ad account makes all of those types of creative and tests those, you'll find out that some of it works and some of it doesn't. For the stuff that doesn't work, 
you basically go and you make variations of different types. Okay, we showed an unboxing on the doorstep and it's showing up and someone picking up the door and opening it didn't really convert. Why? Well, we don't know. Let's try a stop motion animation on a tabletop with just somebody's hands. Um, and testimonials too. You know, we've ran seven or eight testimonials, even top of funnel, and six of them won't work and one will. And it's just because of, you know, for a beauty product, it's just because the skin tone of the person using the product and it's their facial expression. And so you just start kind of going down the line in this process. And we've developed this process where we can look at an account now and we can perform a gap analysis where we actually run all of their creative in, in this program against our database to see where the holes are. Yeah. And we took it a step further and we actually pulled the top 2000 Shopify stores, top 1% of ad creatives. Um, so, you know, Facebook's got that publicly available mm -hmm. on the ads library and we correlated views, engagement, and how long the ad has ran to our own ads and correlated those numbers. And what we found is our ads on average outperform the top 1% of the top 2000 Shopify e-commerce stores by 37%. Wow. But, what it, but what we did is then we went, took a step further. We created a Facebook group. It's called Unicorn Ad Creative. And we post three times a day. We post top performing ads of these Shopify stores with these metrics, with estimated revenues driven. And then we kind of, you know, just discuss why that, that ad creative may have worked or maybe why it didn't. So anyways, that's the formula. That's the approach that we've taken that is really working well. Do you find that this is something that can work across multiple product types or is this mainly e-commerce products specifically? We've seen it work across all types. The, the only two types that we have traditionally struggled in is, um, is food and be beverage and um, I wouldn't say real estate. Real, we just haven't done a lot of real estate stuff. We get tons of real estate leads and just, they usually just don't, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know about the real estate side of things. I haven't really tested it much. But yeah, food and beverage can be tough. Yes, yeah. That being said, though, like one of our greatest case studies is Potbelly Sandwiches. Um, they mm -hmm. hired us before COVID and that we were their Hail Mary. You know, we were their like dirty little secret. Let's mm -hmm. throw this little agency out in Utah and see what they do. And we increased nation nationwide sales by 7%. Um, at like a five to one ROAS selling sandwiches wow. during wow. COVID. And, you know, that just shows the power of, of creative. Uh, for sure. For sure. But uh, yeah, man, that's it. I've seen it work um, for SaaS. We've seen it work for service companies. We've seen it work for apps, um, trades. About like info products and stuff like that. We've seen it work for info products. We're right now we're running all of ClickFunnels ad spend. Oh, really? Right now, and we're shooting um, mini anchor videos with Russell every single month. Mm. So we've shot two of those now, and it's it's working really well. We're already seeing big improvements with our career there. Um, we just started working with Dean Graziosi, um, Krista Mashore, all big, big in, into the info product game. But you look at us too. The highest return on ad spend client we have ever had is Chamber Media. So... Up until a year ago, we never ran ads for ourselves. We were just too busy. We were too small to like 
pull away. And we were the doctor who smoked. We were the 300 pound doctor. That's what we were. So we started making our own ads and go figure 32 to one ROAS on a $35,000 a month spend. Highest return. And you do the math on that, you know, we're closing 600 grand to 1.2 million a month in new business right now. In new business. In new business. Wow. New business. And would this be know. for like those lower tier products that you started to create? It's all over the board. It's, um, you know, it's a half dozen six figure deals. And then it's like a couple dozen smaller deals. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, the bigger we get, the more, the more value ladder we can just add, add, add. Sure. And, you know, getting to know Russell has helped a lot. Um, reading his books has helped us a lot to figure out, oh man, we have all these different things we could sell yeah. that we haven't been taking advantage of. And um, we just opened up this self-checkout thing called One in the Chamber um, where you can, you can just buy an ad. You pick your colors, you pick the ad type, you, you write your own script, and then we go shoot it for you. And, and we never even talk to you. It's just like, boom, delivered in a week. Um, and that's popping off, you know, and then we launched a course and we got this group that's now 1600 members in two weeks and we're going to have a paid group with that. So it's, um, building that premium brand, you know, and having the, the case studies and then it's crushing it at the ad spend in our own creative. We went and made our own anchor videos and retargeting videos. We're shooting new stuff every month, you know, to refresh our own chamber. So it's like, it's just cool. Cause like you practice, you have failures, you know, we've had a lot of clients that fail sure. or that, that it's going well, but for some reason they don't see it and they hate us. You know, it happens. It sucks. And you know, lawyers don't win every lawsuit and um, <laughs> not every doctor can cure your cancer. You may die anyways and spend a hundred grand with this doctor. And, but, but um, we've just seen that, um, it's really rewarding to do it for ourselves and see it work better for ourselves than, than literally anybody else. That's like very, been very validating for us. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet. Then leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.